read him from 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. And again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked. Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to John, chapter 1, beginning with verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip 
like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I saw you under the fig tree? You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, that's a lot to take in. I know, I hope your imagination was fixed on the stories. Can you imagine what it would be like to be a little boy? To be the child of a woman named Hannah who had a a grief-filled life in many ways. Hannah's husband had another wife. In our society, that's frowned upon, but it was normal in hers. But in her particular setting, her husband's other wife was able to conceive. And so Hannah was not able to give children to the man that she loved, and it caused her great shame. It caused her to think that she was less than the other wife. It caused her, as she said in her own words, great grief. And one day she had come to Shiloh, to the place where the people gathered to worship God, at the tent of meeting what is here also called the temple. And she came and she was standing outside in such grief that she was praying but not making a sound. Have you ever felt like that? Where you felt so deeply grieved that you knew you were praying and your lips were moving, but you couldn't utter a word? Where you were mouthing words that you were afraid to give voice to? Where your hurt was so great that you didn't want to hear it come from your own vocal cords? That's where she was. And Eli was the priest who served at the temple and he looked out and he saw her as he was sitting on the steps and he told her, go home you drunken woman, (laughs) essentially. He asked her why she had been drinking. That she should stop drinking so much wine and beer. And she told him that it wasn't that she was drunk, but that she was grieved. And then the priest said to her, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of Him. I wonder if you can guess what she asked that day. She asked that she would conceive a son. 
And she made the promise that if God would allow her to conceive a child, then she would give that child to God. This is a promise that has lived on in the faith story of the people of Israel and the people of Jesus. That she recognized that gifts from God aren't things for us to be grasped and to hold on to. But that God gives so that through that gift, other people will be blessed. And so her response to her belief that God would respond to her was to promise that what God gives, she would give back to God. So she named the boy Samuel, which means I asked the Lord for him. You may have heard Samuel's name before. He's one of the very first of the prophets, if not the first. God used him to anoint King Saul, to anoint King David. God used him to speak to God's people when God's people were turning their back on God and desiring a human leader instead of desiring a faithful God to lead them. They wanted to be like all the other peoples. And so they asked Samuel for a king. But here's this little boy in the temple. He's been given by his mother to the service of God and he lives in the temple with the priest Eli who had some other sons. Eli was descended of Aaron and his purpose was to serve as priest for the people, to intercede on their behalf with God and to make their offerings to God on their behalf. And when the people would bring their offerings, whether it was a lamb or a bull or whatever it might have been, the priests were supposed to offer the best And then the meat was put into a pot and boiled and the priest could bring a three-pronged fork and stick it into the pot and whatever they pulled out belonged to the priest. And it was the way that God provided for Eli and his family. But Eli's sons decided they had a brilliant idea. They would scrape a little off the top. Instead of waiting for what was left over after what was given to God was given to God, They cut the fat portions away for themselves. And for God, that was inexcusable. It was sinful. It was a betrayal not only of God, but of their people's intentions. And so Samuel is interjected into that situation to be a voice. God uses Hannah's grief and Hannah's desire to serve God And Hannah's prayer and Hannah's promise to speak to Eli about what God intends for him. Not everybody gets the kind of call that this kid got. Not everybody gets to hear God's voice say, whatever your name is. Not everyone gets to hear that, but Samuel was called for a specific purpose in a specific place and in a specific way. To speak to a specific person named Eli. Eli has already been told what God was going to do because God shared it with Eli. 
But he didn't know when or how or what was going to happen exactly. And so he wants Samuel to tell him everything. And after being told that what God had promised that basically, essentially none of the male descendants of his family were going to get more, much more than 40 years old, I guess, would how we would say it today. He says this remarkable thing. He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. Do you hear that, church? He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. What was good in God's eyes that day was to use a child to speak to Eli's hurts and Eli's pains. I'm sure that Eli regretted his son's actions, but he didn't do anything about them. And Samuel is called in the midst of that to do something powerful for the sake of the people of God. To do something powerful for the sake of the integrity of their worship. To do something powerful for the sake of the integrity of their gifts. It was to remind Eli that the priests were not to strip away the best, but to live off what was left. That the best we have belongs to God. It's amazing, isn't it? A little boy called for that purpose. God calls people we might not expect sometimes to do things that we may not be expecting God to do. Then there's the smart aleck, Nathaniel. If he lived today and this story had happened, somebody would have come and said, hey, we found the Messiah. He lives in Charlotte. And we'd have said, man, nothing good ever came from Charlotte. Anybody that's from Charlotte, I'm sorry. I didn't want to hurt your feelings. But you got to contextualize things sometimes, right? Get them into our time. I wonder if you noticed that Nathaniel's call is a little bit different. Jesus had found a man named Philip. And Philip was so taken with who Jesus was that he just knew he had to tell somebody. So he went and found his buddy Nathaniel. I assume Nathaniel was under the fig tree, but we don't really know that. We don't know exactly what Nathaniel said. He just found Nathaniel, right? And told him, we found the one Moses wrote about. Moses was called, remember that? He found a bush that looked like it was burning in the desert. And God acted and called Moses, and Moses wrote about the experience, and he wrote about one who would come and be a new prophet for God, one who would speak to the people about life. And he told the people, when he comes, listen to him. And Jesus said of that that Moses wrote about him. And so Jesus goes and finds Philip, and Philip comes to Nathaniel and said, Listen, man, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote. In Eli's story, before Samuel tells him the words that he told him, Eli, in his own prayers, had realized that nothing could atone for what his kids had done, that their, their sins against God, only God could atone for. And he had asked, if a man sins against another man, there's atonement for that, but if we sin against God, what, are, what do we do? 
and is a foreshadowing of God's actions through Jesus Christ. And Samuel is a part of teaching that story of a Messiah who will come, of a king who will come, who will be chosen by God, whose throne will be established forever. And here today, that story starts to bloom as Jesus finds Philip. And then Philip goes to find Nathanael. And Nathanael reacts in a way that we might not expect. He essentially says to his friend, yeah, you're nuts. Nothing good came from Nazareth. It's a reminder that if God is bringing Messiah, then Messiah is good like God is good. Remember when Eli said, let him do as he will, he is good. And the anointed one of God, Jesus of Nazareth, comes to Nathanael. And Nathanael still can't believe it. But suddenly we realize that Jesus had something to do with Philip's desire to reach out to his friend because Jesus was already aware of Nathanael. Before Philip went to speak to Nathanael, Jesus already knew Nathanael. He had already seen him, whether he was standing there or saw him through his powers. Who knows? I can't answer that. I wasn't there. But Jesus had seen and known Nathanael before Nathanael had ever heard about him. And somehow, through God's calling of Philip to Jesus, and Jesus' calling of Philip to be a disciple, what poured out from Philip was a desire to see his friend follow Jesus. And that turns out to have been exactly what his friend needed. Because Nathanael reacted saying, you are the Son of God, and called him teacher, rabbi. You are the King of Israel. I hope you sense the pattern that God can speak to us directly and call us into things and into relationship with God. And God does that sort of thing all the time in still small voices and whispers and words that we see even on billboards. In words that we see before us in the Bible, in words that we might see in cards, gift, or little, what do I call it? greeting cards. That's the word I'm looking for. God might speak to you through even through something you see on Facebook that someone else might have just meant to be a joke. You never know. But what we do know is that God still speaks, and God still calls. And that God's purpose for calling is not just us who are called, but that so others can follow as well. Samuel needed help to know that it was God that was calling him. And so this priest, this beleaguered man who felt guilt over the behavior of his sons and probably guilt over his inability to corral them in, or maybe even his lack of desire to tell them that what they were doing was wrong. He finds some semblance of peace through the words that Samuel spoke to him. And that's why he's able to say, He's the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Nathaniel likewise finds some peace through Philip coming to him to share the good news that the Messiah has come. 
One person is spoken to directly, and the other is spoken to through a friend. God still uses both methods today. God is still calling today. God is still reaching out to people through circumstance, through voice, through things that sometimes don't make sense, but when they happen, you realize, well, that's quite a coincidence. I'd like for you to throw that thought away. There is no such thing as coincidence because there is only this moment in time. Your past does not exist and your future does not exist. All you have is right now. And in the twinkling of an eye, your right now is gone. But in the midst of every right now, God sends people into our lives to remind us that He is at work in us, that He is doing something new in the world that will cause the ears of the world to tingle. That the Christ has come, the Messiah has come, new life is possible. And that something good can come even from Nazareth. Which means, dear ones, that somehow we really do need our eyes and our ears opened. We need to be illumined so that we can hear God speak from unlikely places, from a kid, from a smart aleck, and even from us. God has called us to call others. God has called us to witness to others about the life-giving goodness of Jesus Christ. Samuel plays a part in that story. Nathaniel plays a part in that story. And you have a part in that story. Your purpose is not to live a balanced life and add a little bit of Jesus to it like you put salt on your grits to make them taste good. Your purpose is to follow Jesus. You were created for that purpose. To follow and serve Him. And you have been called to that work. And you have been gifted for that work. Even if you don't know what those gifts are yet. Samuel had no clue that he was going to be a prophet when he laid down that night to go to sleep. But he heard a voice and he responded. And he went to someone who could help him know who was calling. Philip had no idea that Nathaniel was going to utter the words, You are the Son of God. But he responded to being called by Jesus with the excitement of wanting to share the good news of Jesus with someone else. He had no idea that his simple words would bring such a change in someone else. But he gave himself over to the calling of God. I have no idea what you might be called to. But I know this. It's not about figuring out God's plan for your life or what your vocation will be. For each of us is called to this very moment not just a future. If we sit back and wonder what our calling might be, whether it's prophet or a witness like Philip or a person who speaks divine revelation like Nathaniel, ultimately our purpose is to be a disciple in every single solitary instantaneous moment that we have. 
To worry about who we will be next month is a futile exercise that can only be outdone by being who we are right now. The people called to be disciples of the One who gives life and love to the world. Right now, the world is clamoring about future events, about an inauguration and Iran shooting missiles, and all the other craziness that's going on. But we have the gift of knowing that there is no future apart from Christ. And that Christ is a part of every single moment this world takes in. That He created it and He sustains it. And He is at work delivering it from slavery to sin and death. So I'm not inviting you to ponder what God's plan for your life is. I'm inviting you to ask, are my eyes open? Are my ears open? Am I waiting for Him to call me? It might be to go and speak a prophetic word to a priest. It might be just to tell a friend, I met this guy named Jesus. And then it might be something entirely different. But are you open to it? Because God, I promise you, is open to calling you. He called a kid, he called a smart aleck. Most of us fit within one of those categories. So be at peace, dear ones. Don't worry about your future or God's plan for you. But be attentive for God's voice in each moment of your life. You never know how you might be used. And you never know whose life might be changed. Because God is good all the time. Amen.